Hello and welcome to another episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser. My name is Lucas Maxwell. I'm the librarian here at Glenthorne High School. This is a podcast for your school library, public library, whatever. And today I'm going to go over a webinar that I did uh, very recently. I did a hour-long webinar on um, starting Dungeons & Dragons in your library, public library or school library. I'm going to try to run down through the main points again and put it as a podcast. Um, I'm going to have the full recording available on my uh, website, which you know y- uh, you can contact me um, at lucasmaxwell at hotmail.com or on Twitter uh, at lucasjmaxwell if you want to um, get that full recording. This will be kind of like a rundown of it for anyone who's listening to the podcast. So I hope this is um, useful to you. Uh, what I'm going to cover is that the benefits of Dungeons & Dragons, how to promote it, what you'll need, session zero, running a session, etc. So I've done a little bit of this before in different podcasts, but hopefully this will be useful. So some librarians have found that they need to kind of prove to management, leadership, etc., that they need to, like, why they're running a program such as Dungeons & Dragons, which is valid, I, I guess. Um uh, and there are several benefits, uh, mental health and well-being, for for instance. Um, there's an episode of this podcast where I speak to uh, a behavioral therapist named Katie Lear out of the United States, uh, North Carolina. And the, she went through many different things with me because she runs these Dungeons and Dragons therapy sessions for teens and um, teens and tweens. And one quote that I took from that web, that interview that stood out to me when she said, said that, you know, with Dungeons and Dragons, people think you're just playing a game, but what you're doing is actually taking part in active therapy, and it gives you, you know, something to look forward to. It's scheduled fun, and it also encourages empathy because you are actively putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It also helps with social anxiety. Uh, you are avoiding the small talk, the the awkwardness of trying to insert yourself into some sort of social circle. Everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody knows why they're there. You don't need. To, you can just skip all that, get into the game, and enjoy yourself. So there's a huge benefits to it. Um, also, of course, teamwork. It encourages turn taking, which is a big thing, especially if you're playing with younger students or youth. If you're just, you know, they just learn how to take turns. It it, it encourages cooperation. It's a moral building exercise. So what you'll find, and what I have found is that when they're faced with maybe dark choices, which happens in Dungeons & Dragons, they will, in my experience, will often choose the more morally righteous path, which is a good, which is a good thing, and I've noticed it time and time again. Um, so this is really good. And they are actively engaged in reading. So I've had students in the past who they claim, you know, I've, had to, I've struggled with finding them books to read, and almost, you know, ninja-like, they are they're reading books. They are reading these D&D books. They're creating characters. They're constantly pouring over these monster manuals and different things. And, of course, I've got all kinds of fiction available to them that they um, will enjoy. There's tons of books out there that are D&D-like as well, of course. Um, creative writing, many of our students are writing backstories all the time. <laughs> they love to create characters. Often they'll come in the library and just create characters for fun. And they write backstories to them, and this is this is creative writing. This is engaging the, <laughs> their brains and doing really cool stuff with it. And it also boosts confidence because they are um, they are. It, it does involve public speaking, kind of um, believing in yourself, and and you know, 
having your a character that can that can act in ways that maybe they don't feel comfortable acting in in real life and in positive ways um and again on that line it, it is a it is a positive memory generator <laughs> um they uh they will hopefully look back and say yeah i had a really good time in the library and really that's all that it's about it's about memories um this game in my opinion and it's about a common shared experience and I feel like it's it's lasting experiences, uh, lasting friendships and experiences that will be made. And, you know, I see this happening over the last three or four years. So it's been great to see. Um, it allows for kind of expression of anxieties and fears through the characters' uh, experiences. And the players are uh, using these this game as like a cathartic thing to express their anxieties and and. And to um, get things out uh, out in the open, um, and it's just a ton of you know, a huge amount of fun. The whole game is a lot of fun. So there's a lot of these benefits you can show people. Like this is what this is what is happening. It really is like a therapy session. It is for me anyway. So um, kind of like even more, um, you know, focused on that. There are huge benefits, and I've done a whole podcast on this. So there are huge pen- benefits for Dungeons and Dragons of Dungeons and Dragons for uh, autistic players and um, people like myself who have struggled with friendships and uh, communication, organization, um, you know, understanding uh, social things. It, it just has been hugely beneficial. So it's controlled chaos. You're in a world where there are very clear rules, but also no rules, which can be overwhelming maybe to some people. But it also um, it's very comforting as well that you can really create anything you want to create. And it's really got this really, in in my experience, I know maybe there are people who have different experiences, and that is really awful. But the the sense of community around it has been really positive in my experience. But I understand there are people out there who have had the opposite, and I think that's awful because it's a game and it should never happen but um anyway that's it's been my experience has been the opposite of that um so how to promote the game again I, i've talked about this a little but it when i worked in the public library and i ran D, which was i wouldn't say it was like a, a huge success but it, it did take it did have some success and i really enjoyed running it um I what I did was we had a couple of high schools nearby, and I think, and I've said this before, when you're in a, in my experience as a teen librarian, teen services librarian, in a public library, a lot of my effort and energy went into just bringing people to the library. And some one library I worked at I didn't have to do any of that; they just came in, which was great. But the, I went to more of like suburban library, and I, I really had to work hard at that. So I scheduled visits. Um, periodically to our local high school one of them had a librarian and one did not so the one with the librarian was the best one of course because i quickly made friends with them and i would set up like little like a table and just like this is what we offer and D was one of those things they could sign up for library cards and stuff like that i had this kind of like mobile library card unit and i just talked about D and other games and other things we were doing and it did bring in a little core group of kids and advertised it through these, the library's social media page, which was really popular because the often public libraries have a pretty good li- uh, public uh, social media presence and parents and kids sometimes follow it and local community members. Um, I also tried to partner with local game shops and comic book shops. Really, I got some free comics through that stuff. And my goal really is to have, um, in this uh, instance, is to, is to have... Uh, people who come in to do like um 
guest DMs for a Dungeons and Dragons convention I'm running. But in the public library, it was more like I just wanted to make sure they were aware that we were existing and things like that. But um, it was more like I was trying to get just a relationship going. And I did have a pretty good relationship with him. Uh, and the other thing I had to promote it in the public library was simply to discuss it with coworkers and regular patrons uh, that you were doing this game, this session, or these sessions, because um, what I've found here in the school library is that I've already got a couple of teachers really interested this year, uh, new, newer teachers, well, one newish, one not, that is, they want to take part, they want to know more about it. And I think if you just make it a whole community thing, you can you'll you, they will come. And I don't know if you'll need to promote it very hard because I think it's so popular now. It will happen. Um, in the school library, I do tons of stuff. Like I go to the year group assemblies. I speak in staff briefings. I send information out of parent newsletters. I do sign up sheets. I do like a voting board. What should we run Dungeons and Dragons? Which is it really took off that way. And using student librarians to spread the word, on and on. Um, what you uh, need to play the game is very basic. Um, not very much is the answer to that. All you really need are pencils, scrap paper, graph or squared paper, dice, the D20, the D4, the D6, the D8, the D12. Am I missing any? Uh, D10. Um you just need that set of dice, um, tables and chairs, and I really recommend a flip chart or whiteboard. You don't need that, but I, I recommend it because I find it quite useful. I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I've talked about this in, uh, before, but I cannot stress enough how useful the starter set is. It's just called the D&D starter set. There's two now, that, but the original one just says D&D starter set. There's another one coming out, I think, in October, depending on when you're listening to this. But what the starter set, the original one, has is a pre-made adventure called The Lost Minds of Fandelver, a condensed rule book, dice, pre-made character sheets, and that will save you a ton of time and headache if you are new to D&D and you don't quite understand the, the character creation method, which is perfectly valid because I did not, and I still have, I, I don't know, I, you know, I have a player, um, and uh, we're playing with these amazing adults uh, on every once in a while, and I have one who's a, who's a really cool monk, and I don't know really anything about that class, so I'm learning as we go, um, trying to help them create the character and stuff, and um, it's just been fun, but it's I don't know everything, and I don't think anybody does, but it, it is... Um, it is. It can be mind-boggling sometimes making the character sheets. So the pre-made ones, all you have to do is take them, photocopy them, boom, you're done. Hand them out to your students um, or to your t your players. This thing also has some maps, and it's cheap. I think it's like nineteen dollars. I I never know the price. I always say the price wrong, but it's it's not much. Um, and I is I don't I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but it, it it is a really great starter set, and I think it is kind of like recognized as a really great adventure, The Lost Minds, because it leads into all sorts of other things. I would recommend going into like um, Storm King's Thunder if you really want to, but um, I would that's all you need, and you don't even need that if you if you've already got stuff, if you've got the player's handbook and things like that already. Um, you you don't need the starter set really. Uh, if you have dice and whatnot, you can you can make your own, of course. Um, so what I recommend is that you once you've got all this stuff ready, you've got your players ready. Um, I would recommend something called Session Zero, and I talked about I did a whole podcast episode on um, Session Zero, but 
uh, just to quickly go through what it is, it's just that session where you sit down with your players and discuss what you're going to do, um, what the campaign is going to be. If you are going to run like a, what they call one shot, you know, like a one-time thing, I would really heavily stress using something called drive-through RPG. And it's just, the word. I don't know if you heard that, but it looks like my the library just collapsed or <laughs> something just collapsed over there. Um, anyway, keep going. Show must go on. It's what is if you're going to uh, drive through RPG through spelled T H R U, and you can use that. And you can create a free account and download a, uh, an adventure for a dollar or even free. There's also DM Guild, which you can create a free account for and, and download stuff. Sometimes you have to pay. You know, I think the most I've ever paid is like fourteen. It's always U.S. dollars, so fourteen U.S. dollars for quite like a pack of stuff that I wanted to use. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. Again, it, you have there are tons of great um, starter adventures out there that you can use for younger players for um, all sorts. So check out those and just you can just type in um, D&D 5e or you can type you know for fifth edition or you can just you know just do a search they have all kinds of things in there so you can tell them what it's going to be about you don't need to spoil anything of course and you shouldn't but just give them an idea so for example uh, last year we ran one that was in the jungle with our students and I was I just told them look we're in the jungle uh, it's going to be hot it's going to be bugs there's going to be swamps it's going to be creatures and it it changed the way some of them created their characters. One created a frog character, a grung. Um, one created a, a, a fungal-based druid, a spore druid, uh, because they knew they would be kind of, I think because they knew they, because they would be, there would be that kind of stuff out there. And they, they kind of knew that they their character had a backstory where they were studying this um, group called, I think it's called Vegipygmies, and they're like these mushroom uh, weird fungoid uh, mushroom creatures that are quite dangerous, but they're also turned out to be helpful. Uh, and it was awesome. They really took that on board when I described it. And that's what Rep Session Zero is about. It can also be about setting expectations. So what are we, what are the rules of the table? What are the expectations that I have of you? And what do you want to get out of this game? I always lay out the fact, especially with new players, that this is not player versus player. Um, you're going to be listening when other people are talking. There's no, uh, please avoid, you know, cross talk if you can. Um, please no spinning of the dice and play throwing dice around. That does happen with younger players. Um, sometimes when they just, maybe they're being bored or, um, if they're bored, that's the issue. If you feel like they're being bored, it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily your fault if you're the dungeon master. What it might mean is that you maybe you're bogged down in like rules or, Maybe it's the game simply isn't for them, and if they're disruptive at the table, I've I have in the past taken a student aside. I don't want to like point them out in the middle of the game or make them feel like embarrassed or anything. But after the game, I've taken them aside and said, "Hey, look, um, this game requires everyone to be be sat, you know, quietly and paying attention, and not disrupting. And you know, you've got to like you've you just you've got to abide by that and." You know, we want you to play, but you can't do that. And it worked. You know, that kind of discussion uh, worked. So you really have to figure out what they want out of it. If they're looking for a game where they're going to be attacking their friends and and being like um, disruptive, etc., <laughs> it's not for them. In my opinion, it won't be for them. Um, and that's just that. I mean, that's what I do in session zero, mainly around character creation, though. I try to help them with that. 
There is, um, if you even go on YouTube and type in uh, creating a D&D character, there's a five-minute video that will pop up right at the beginning, and that will tell you um, everything you need to know kind of about creating a character. I mean, you could spend a whole hour-long session on it, to be honest, but I don't know what kind of characters your players are going to want to make, so there's no point in me going into details of how to create a human fighter when you don't have any human fighters in your party. So there's not much point, and I, it's just kind of like hit or miss. So, So during a session... I really recommend six players to start maximum, and that is a very low number. And you may be sitting there going, what if I have 30 kids sign up? If that happens, um, there's not there's no magic answer to that. You have to create a waiting list. Or I'm very fortunate that I've got, um, I've got two teenage DMs. So, yes, I'm lucky that I have um, teens who are uh, able to DM on their own. Uh, older teens that are very responsible and knowledgeable of the game, etc. So I don't know what to say. I mean, you ha- I would say no more than eight if you have to, but I know I understand the, the challenge because I have a, currently have a waiting list, and I've spoken to other librarians, both mainly in the public library, who say they have a huge waiting list because they simply cannot accommodate all the, the youth who are taking part. Um, what I've done is, like, after school, I do run mine at lunch. So what I say to them, like, if you want to come in after school, if you have time, um, create a character. We do it at lunchtime as well. And look, and just, you know, I'll give you the equip like, the stuff, but I, I just cannot simply donate the time to do it. And I do apologize to them, but it's like I can't do it. I could spend all day, every day, playing Dungeons & Dragons, which would be awesome, but I have a job. Uh, <laughs> so it's one of those things. And... um so during the game, I also display the initiative. And if you're wondering what that is, um, I have the whiteboard. And I don't do this all the time with my current players, but with the new players, I definitely do. Um, the initiative is simply the, the order of combat. So when, like, if let's, uh, this is the example I used in the webinar. When students turn around a corner and they see a pack of goblins there, battle erupts. Okay, who goes first? So that's called initiative. They roll the D20, the 20-sided dice, and they add their um, dexterity bonus. So um, if it's plus 2 or whatever, you just roll. Let's say you get a, a 13, plus 2, 15. Player 1 is a number 15. Bang, go all the way down the order, including every single creature that you're they're fighting. Um, and th- then you just go from top to bottom. The highest, the highest number goes first. If there's a tie... There's two ways you can do it. They can have a roll-off, uh, just roll a d20, each each of them, and see who goes first. Or you can look at their dexterity bonus and see who has the higher dexterity bonus, and the higher dexterity bonus goes first. So um, that's just how you break the tie. That's where the whiteboard comes in super useful because you are displaying the order. And you'll say, okay, player one, whatever their name is, you are going. You are first, then the goblins turn, and then you point at the character the player the student who's next to you, you're after that so you know it's a good idea to get ready and what that'll do that'll save you a ton of time because they will look at the board they'll see when they're up when their care when their turn is and they will prepare their turn rather than saying you're up now and they're like, oh and they forgot and they've been sitting there kind of in a daze listening to the game or hopefully paying attention um it's just something to keep in mind um, and that kind of encourages the turn taking. Uh, flip charts are also very helpful, and I do this often now. Um, I don't. I mean, sometimes I've bought a pre-made campaign, and I do have a map ready. But if I don't have a map, I will simply draw quickly draw one. And that happened the other day when they were in this haunted house, and 
I was trying to describe to them this room, and they were just like, "What? You know, what is? It? Where is this? Where is?" It? I was like, "Okay, square. <laughs> here's the fireplace. Here's the stairway. Here's the trap door. Here's the and uh, it was just like little X's, very quick. But it, having it there in visual form really helps. And I'll say, "You're here. This is what's over the year." And I'm making little marks. And what do you want to do? And if one of them wants to get up and say, "I want to do this," and that that's absolutely fine. So. Of course, during a session, I'm trying to discourage crosstalk. Uh, it can just disrupt the game, and I can't hear sometimes. This goes on during a very busy lunchtime library uh, day in the lunch in, in the library during lunch hour, when there's also board games being played in other areas of the library. So it can be very loud, um, and that's the nature of it. I don't mind that personally, but it can be hard in D and D. So that's kind of a really really fast rundown. Of it, I really recommend that starter kit, and I have this, and I I have um one oh one website I meant to um, re- recommend. It's very bare bones and it is amazing. It's called D O N is in new J O N D O N J O N, and it's a random dungeon generator amongst other things. It also um, randomly generates uh, shops and things like that. But what it'll do is you can choose the size, the shape, and it will randomly generate a dungeon that you can then um, uh, construct and then um, print off. And it's, some, some of them are massive. And not only that, it gives you like numbered rooms. And then for each number, it tells you what how you can describe it. And it can also provide preset you know, creatures if that's what you want to do. If you need a quick dungeon d-o-n-j-o-n is the thing for you the, now if you need a quick encounter generator um this one i thought had gone offline but it looks like it's still there it's called kobold k-o-b-o-l-d fight club and what you do just google kobold fight club you choose the number of players that you have in your group so let's say six you choose the level that they're currently at Let's say three. Um, what kind of encounter do you want? You want an easy one? Do you want a medium one? You want a hard one? Um, let's just choose hard. Let's choose, um, and then it asks you: Is it random? Is it a boss, or is it a trio, or a horde? I'm just going to do random, and I'm going to click generate encounter. It has provided me with four um, creatures that uh, would consider a hard encounter for six players um it tells you what page they are on on the monster manual uh it also tells you how much experience points they generate and um if you click on them it will should tell you their stats so um that is essentially uh very quick and when you're doing encounters in D, what i recommend is that you the less <laughs> The less you know variety, the better. I don't know if that everyone will agree with that, but if you have like five different creatures, you as the DM have to look up five different stats in a very quick, random way. If you have five <laughs> goblins, for lack of a better term, you know exactly. You know, you can see you can have one sheet ready. Boom! I find that much less confusing and much easier to do, and it will save you a ton of time. So having less uh, is more. This 
tells me it wants to give them a fire snake and something called a quadrone. Um, you can you can do that. That's not that many, but you can also change the the type of um, setting that they're in. You know, are they in a swamp? Are they in a forest, etc. So, Kobold Fight Club, um, Donjon, random dun- dungeon generator, um, Drive Through RPG, and DM Guild are two amazing sources. So. That I will have the full recording available very soon, but I hope that hopefully that was uh, useful to you uh, as like a quick rundown of of my webinar. That if you were unable to make it, so that's it. And take care. I hope you had a great uh, great uh, weekend <laughs> or whenever you're listening to this. Um, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye.